0: The Notorious OTB on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network is presented by WinBet. Bet 50 at WinBet and get $200 in free bets. Bet big, win bigger with WinBet. Download the WinBet app now or visit winnbet.com and start winning today. We're also brought to you by Sleeper. You already play fantasy on Sleeper, but now you can win cold, hard cash with their over-under game. Just head to sleeper.com slash SGP on your phone to join the SGPN group and Sleeper will automatically match your first deposit up to $100. That's sleeper.com SGP. And make sure to download the SGPN app, your home for all of our free picks and podcasts. Welcome, everybody, to the Notorious OTV. Another special episode, a very special episode, the kind of just like special episode that you only get whenever someone finds a joint on a show made for preteens and they need to talk to you about drugs. It's that kind of special because we are talking, that's right, the second leg of the Triple Crown, the Preakness is this week weekend. And I, uh, the Wolf of Oakland, Chase Sessoms, aka his Freakness, is always down. For some Preakness action. And it's not just me. You don't have to listen to the noise of me freaking alone. I've got someone to freak with me. His name is Matthew DeSantis at Phil Domenis on Twitter. Matthew, welcome back for the second time this week. Glad to have you.
1: Yeah, thank you so much, Chase. It was it's a blast doing it the other day and look forward to talking about this uh, with you. Today, uh, Black Eyed Susan, Preakness card, uh, you know, huge day, obviously. It's going to be a hot one in Baltimore, uh, 90, 94, 95 degrees those two days. So uh, it's going to be a hot one for the Preakness uh, and a lot of hot stuff for the freakness as well. So I cannot wait to record what is going on in the infield for uh, all my followers.
0: That sounds fantastic. I, uh, <laughs> I, As long as you get just like a good slow-mo of just like a graphic almost saving private Ryan asks someone getting hammered by like a tall boy of beer yes. that I'm all for it. Absolutely all <laughs> for it. I, I, I love, I love Baltimore via David Simon, basically Uh, huge wire fan. I've read his books. I'm watching. We own this city right now, which yeah. is, awesome uh based on true events it's got the guy from uh, uh the walking dead who i can never remember but i think his character was shane you know he's got an america nose that only america could love that kind of like you know <laughs> looks like a little bit like a boxer but uh if you think i haven't been watching those and practicing my, my balmer accent the entire time just some ridiculous o's and t's so that was, oh, that was, by Dale, the way, I was like, Dale, uh, let's get to the next race. <laughs> What's up? Sorry. Go ahead.
1: No, I was going to say that was always the such shocker for people who watched the wire when they discovered Idris Elba was British, that, right. that that he nailed the Baltimore accent so well. And just, I mean, obviously the American accent more broadly, but it was, like people were shook when they realized each or so was British. And they're like, why is this guy using a British accent? All of a sudden it's like, well, no, he is British. Actually.
0: There was someone actually who said, mentioned on our, our last pod that they were, they were checking in for the wire talk. So I'm going oh, to, yeah. one, one more tiny piece, yeah. which is, did he concealed the fact that he was British from the casting, uh, oh, the wow. casting director, uh, because apparently that casting director did not like uh, English people coming over and playing like urban, american accents ah. so he hit it all the way through and finally they're like all right where did you grow up and he's like london mate you know that kind of thing which i made sound australian yeah. don't <laughs> it was for aesthetic <laughs> purposes either way let's let's talk about this weekend and before yes. we jump into this weekend i i'm gonna bring up something that i i hold dear it's I feel like it's one of my staples of handicapping which is a uh, big re- weekend race you know biases where you have what feels like tracks that are souped up really geared for speed. It almost feels like the track wants to impress on their day to shine. And so on these big race weekends, I, I feel like you tend to get uh, speed holding on a little bit more. And what I encourage people to do, to do is while they're watching before the big races come up, watch these results, see where the winners are coming from in terms of where they are sitting in relation to the early pace. Also what paths they're using. That means a lot that that can be a big thing. It could be speed, but it can only be in certain paths. And uh, also, if you see a maiden race and a horse just goes flying wire to wire, don't factor that in. So many races are won by maidens, yeah, going wire to wire. Yes. What What's your take on the the big you know big race weekend bias?
1: Yeah, I I it's funny. I said almost the same thing to people before Churchill, and it, it was for a different context because we were a little unsure about the weather that yep. day and the day leading up. And I said, listen, just play it by ear, like see how the track is playing in those early races. And I thought going into the race, I thought actually the uh, Churchill downs track, I thought was playing very fair. Cause you saw closers, you saw mid pack yep. horses, you saw stalkers, you saw wiring. So you saw all three or four different types of horses succeed and win and run well across a number of different paths. So you go, okay, I don't need to worry too much about track bias when it comes to the big race. We just had to worry about summers tomorrow setting a suicidal base, but outside of that, that was it. But I, I absolutely uh, echo those comments because you, you really won't know. I mentioned, you know, kind of been joking, but it, in all seriousness, the track is going to get very dried out uh, yes. because it is going to be hot starting tomorrow, Friday, Saturday, sunny. I mean, there's I'm recording. I'm in Northern Virginia. I'm like 45 miles from the track there's not a cloud in the sky right now. And that's the kind of forecast for the next couple of days. It's going to get dried out. So it's going to be interesting to see how this track progresses over the next three days. And, and it's something where even being paying attention during black eyed Susan day, and even maybe paying it a little bit of attention tomorrow to see how it's playing.
0: Cause that's the one thing that I feel like the thing that you can carry over from day to day in these biases is, is not necessarily the pace. You know, there could be mm. the pace element of it might fall apart, but going back and referencing the paths, usually yeah has something to do with it because a lot of it sometimes has to do with the depth at the, the respective paths. I like to look at the head on replays and look for, uh, what I feel like is a a deeper path. Like do I see bigger splashes of dirt coming from horses, you know, from the head on, but we're going to get into these races. And so, uh, we're, we're going to give you what I can only really describe as a smattering, uh, which is my favorite (laughs) way to order hash browns (laughs) at waffle house, because it gets a lot of confused looks when you order them (laughs) smattered. Uh, Matthew's picked out a a Black Eyed Susan undercard race, the uh, race 10, the Miss Preakness. We're going to take a look at the Black Eyed Susan. I've got my own uh, undercard race, the Chick Lane from Preakness Day. And then uh, we're going to put together a a Preakness pick three. And then I got a little special bonus for you in terms of uh, one extra thing we're going to talk about at the end. But uh, hey, Friday race 10, this was your pick. Why don't you go ahead and set it out for us? The Miss Preakness.
1: Yeah, Miss Prickness, and I think this is, uh, you know, a really nice field. Obviously, it's a great three, six furlongs for three-year-old fillies. And, uh, you know, I think there are some obvious places you can go in this race. I think you look at the, you know, happy soul who's getting the cutback, uh, you know, after I think we both talked about maybe biting off a little bit more uh, than she could chew uh, last time out at the Ashland. And so now cutting back to that sprint distance. Uh, where outside of her uh, t- first debut maiden on sloppy uh, on a sloppy track, she's undefeated. Uh, and I just—it's hard to get past Wesley Ward sprinters. So at five to two, it's not going to offer you much value, and she's probably going to get bet down pretty significantly. But I really like this horse quite a bit here. Uh, but I—I I think there's, uh, you know, I think the favorite under the stars is a horse that I, I kind of want to fade, and I want to kind of look past a little bit. This is a horse that's really cutting back from a mile and a 16th where she's ran a couple of times now back to that sprint level where she has had success. But I think the question with a, a horse like Under the Stars is she was in the Baffert barn, then the Yakteen barn, now the Sean McCarthy barn. She's she's you know obviously coming in from the West Coast, so you always have to worry about shippers, I think, a little bit there. And so I'm just going to look somewhere else. I I just, I'm not sure how the Yaktin Barn slash McCarthy Barn is really going to be firing, how some of these ex-Bafferts are running. So I I do like a lot of the value underneath, though, in this particular card. I think a horse like Saucy Lady T is very appealing, coming off a long layoff. But Grand Motion is a barn that is firing in all cylinders right now. Very hot, very good on on the long layoff. I also think Lady Scarlet is an intriguing horse as a stakes winner who likes this distance, has Irad Ortiz Jr. aboard, who you know is going to be aggressive. So I, I, those are some horses I like. And, uh, and and so I do have happy soul up top, but I like Saucy Lady T and Lady Scarlet underneath. I know you and I have some overlap with some of this, so I'll let you talk a little bit about who you like in this race.
0: Yeah, I I always pay a lot of attention to the sprinters that Wes Ford ends up bringing through Oakland. He's brought some good ones through, uh, for example, Kamari. Uh, this one won the Dixie Bell with pretty much you know ease uh as the even money favorite uh you know we get oaks fever you mentioned you know i'm not going to go over what you just mentioned with the ashland but uh the cut pack is going to do it plenty um i mean it's a run happy baby so it feels like this is most likely the distance that it needs to be running at Uh, i'm still not really sold on run Happy's kind of stretching out yet uh Mm -hmm. i you know i feel like there were some freaks that he that you know he's produced that have been able to run the classic distances but i feel like this you know kind of just falls into the horse's wheelhouse um yeah i i pretty much i can't go much further than this and it's who my pick is going to be on is going to be and uh, what i will probably try to do to make some money uh with this race though is go ahead and say i i'm gonna say happy soul is gonna be the chalk at post time that's that's my yeah, best guess I, I even even with some local horses here i don't think that there's gonna be enough local money to to take people off of you know west ward so it, how do you make money off the chalk? Well, you you either key it in horizontals or you key it in verticals. I'm a big vertical player, so what I'll most likely be doing is taking Happy Soul, and then I'm going to be keying on top. And I'm going to use uh, a local horse uh, for Brittany Russell with uh, La Casa de Oro, uh, a horse that just broke its maiden uh, if you pay any attention to thoroughbreds, which I typically don't do, except for these kind of weekends where I'm getting a lot of horses that I don't really know because I don't watch them all the time. I try to practice track monogamy. That's that's my thing. Is I focus <laughs> in. So uh, I, I like La Casa de Oro as a as a horse, especially coming from off the pace to come up and get a piece to close in under Happy Soul. Another one at a bigger price that I'm really like that I really like is a uh, very little sense. Uh, another one that's coming out of Oak Lawn. Uh, that ran in the Dixie Bell against Happy Soul, that ran in the Purple Martin against some uh, some pretty talented horses. Like uh, there's Pretty Birdie, who uh, last out uh, at the uh, what is it the Churchill Downs, just after the Churchill Downs Stakes. I can't remember, but it was the the Philly Sprint uh, from that weekend. Uh, I mean, that that was a horse that, if it wasn't necessarily a fair track, probably would have got away on the front and ran pretty well. So like who has been running against, all John Court does is make good decisions. So I like yeah. him to to get up underneath and kind of, kind of rounded out
1: yeah I, I like that pick of uh very little sense that was a horse I, I also kind of identified as a potential value play 12 to 1 on the morning line uh and just from a comparison standpoint yeah i mean it finished with an earshot of happy soul and, and i think within this field that you have to take that seriously uh, you mentioned the competition running against wicked halo uh one of the horses uh that uh, she ran against, also came back the next after the Purple Martin came back and finished third in the Grade Two Eight Bells. So, you know, she's been running against some very good competition, and I uh, definitely like that play.
0: Yeah, it's I I'm definitely cold on horses coming out of Oakland when it comes to uh, these route races, but it seems like the the horses that the sprint races produce, I, I'm a little bit higher on them. I think there's a lot more talent there. I'll give you my my knock on why I'm actually going to stay away from Under the Stars is mm-hmm. I'm looking at two straight uh races where the horse is a step slow out of the gate yep. looks like it stumbled out of the gate uh in the in the oaks and i don't see a single gate workout after that And i always just feel like they need that's something that needs to happen is you know if the you're having trouble at the gate go ahead and just get it some work there in that actual gate
1: yeah yep. what do you think and, 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 are you and, a yeah. gate workout guy i'm a
0: big I am, gate workout guy
1: i am i am a big gate workout guy i i worry when i see too many Uh, but I think, you know, seeing one just to freshen them up sometimes is important. I know, you know, even somebody like, uh, you know, Chad Brown talked about, you know, it's getting, uh, you know, a horse like Zandon, some gate work occasionally, you know, because there were some issues with, you know, just hopping at the start sometimes and just, you know, so even some really great horses still need that occasional gate work. Uh, and I agree when you see that issue of the gate, especially in a sprint, I mean, these races can be won and lost. I mean, we talk about Golden Pal. I know it's on turf, but I mean, sure. part of the reason Golden Pal is so dominant is because it just breaks <laughs> just yeah. incredibly every single time. And uh, it's five lengths clear of the field, uh, you know, 150 yards in. So it's, uh, you know, it, it's all made or break. It's all kind of make or break right there. So, yeah, absolutely. When you see that sort of thing happen, I remember a horse that's now a three-year-old a horse like Wit last year was a horse that I thought was really talented. Always had gate issues though. And you know, that eventually came up and, and really kind of caught up with him.
0: It reminds me of uh, another Bob Baffert. That was a gate uh, head case with, uh, oh man, improbable. Uh, oh it's yeah. It's just, if uh, improbable saw anything with latches and metal, improbable just had a small <laughs> conniption. Uh, so we are going to move on real quick. Actually, we're going to take a quick break, and then when we come back, uh, we'll be go ahead and jump into uh, what's what's probably plenty to debate because it looks like a wide open race. The Black-eyed Susan Stakes. We'll be right back on the Notorious OTB. I'm gonna try. I'm gonna say that again, but correctly without stumbling. We'll be back on the Notorious OTB. Make sure to get down on the wins bet $50 to win $200 promotion where a $50 bet qualifies you for up to $200 in free bets. Plus, the WinBet Casino is offering a 100% deposit bonus up to $1,000. And now you can win a golf trip to win Las Vegas during the PGA Championship. You bet $100 on golf this week and be entered to win a golf trip to win Las Vegas. Note: the promotion ends, May 22, 2022. There's so much to choose from, and all you have to do is download the WinBet app or visit wynnbet.com to get started. Offer subject to change. Terms and conditions at winbet.com. Must be 21 or older and present in the state where playthrough WinBets is available. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. Now on to Sleeper. Sleeper is the fastest growing fantasy platform today with millions of players. You probably already have a fantasy league on there. Hell, I do. Hell, who doesn't? It's a game-changing product unlike anything else in the industry. And now you can make money on Sleeper 2 by playing their new over-and-under game. Super simple. First, just pick any sport, choose two or more players, give an over-under on a total. You know what we're talking about. We're talking points. We're talking... Hits, we're talking rebounds, we're talking assists, we're talking all the stats. Then choose the amount of money you want to enter into the contest. If you pick correctly, you can win anywhere from two times to over 20 times the money you put in. On your mobile phone, join our listener group on sleeper at sleeper.com slash SGP and Sleeper will automatically match your first deposit up to $100. That's right. Join our squad and get the 100% deposit match at sleeper.com slash SGP. Terms and conditions apply. See Sleeper's terms of use for details. Welcome back to the Notorious OTB. We've got your favorite seat right next to the soda machine, right under the Delta Downs feed. I'm here with Matthew DeSantis at Fields of Menace on Twitter. And uh, we're... uh, we're talking uh, Black-Eyed Susan Preakness Steaks weekend, and uh, we're into the meat of the Friday card, and that is the Black-Eyed Susan Steaks. I, I got to tell you, I thought this was an absolute wide-open race, and I was looking at a ton of prices. I'm kind of curious to see how you saw this uh, shaking out.
1: Yeah, I agree with you in terms of this being a wide-open race. Uh, I think you can go so many different ways. There's not a lot of horses. I was really surprised to some extent at the number of horses that don't have a lot of foundation. I mean, a lot of these horses running three, maybe their fourth race. I mean, it's just a lot of young horses. So there's a lot of projection when that happens, it's a lot of, well, I think this horse might, you know, take a step forward. This horse might not take a step forward. So there, there's a little bit of a, you know, calculation that's going on there, less of a known quantity that you would expect to see in in a race like the Preakness or, you know, other triple crown uh, races, or even, two weeks ago, uh, at the Kentucky Oaks. So very wide open. And I think this is a, a race that is going to be defined by pace. Uh, I think this is a race where you're going to see potentially three horses out on the lead. Uh, I think you can expect to see Missy Greer. I think you can expect to see Beguine. I think you can expect to see Adair dare the morning line favorite, all out there forwardly placed on the lead. And for that reason, I'm looking maybe a little bit behind that pace, just in case, you know maybe that pace is a little unreasonable maybe these horses get pushed a little harder up front than they would like i'm looking at those kind of stalking slash mid-pack horses that might be able to make a charge coming from home
0: i mean it makes a lot of sense um i leaned into a horse that's going to be a little bit closer to the lead and that's Mm -hmm. because right now playing it i'm playing this with the mindset that i think this is going to be a a souped up track that can kind of you know kind of you know be able to carry speed all the way to the finish. And so I landed on a horse that has just been improving by leaps and bounds each time it, it comes out. Uh it's uh the number five Beguine, uh 12 to one on the on the morning line. And man, uh maybe I am just a little bit biased towards uh towards Oakland horses because <laughs> uh Beguine's coming out of the fantasy where uh you know ran a a, a closest Closest, I'll say, second to uh, to Yaguri, who was in uh, the uh, the uh, Kentucky Oaks, who went out and set just a, a ridiculously hot pace. Um, I'm looking at how the horse ran in the fantasy, and that was a very game effort considering they went 22 and four and 46 and three to the oh. quarter and to the half. I really have a hard time seeing this pace necessarily getting that quick. I could see sub 24, I can't see sub 23. Some of that also has to do with the, I don't know, something to take into consideration always when you look at these early fractions is the layout of the course. Are they going straight into a turn? Do they have a long straightaway? Like uh, I'm I'm thinking of like Santa Anita turf. uh, Whenever they go like a mile or they go a mile and an eighth, you'll see 22 second fractions, but that's because it's basically just like a quarter horse straightaway until they hit, hit the turn. Other tracks, they're into the turn quicker. It slows that fraction down just for anybody who's new out there. But uh Yeah, I, I thought Begine might be a little bit smarter, might hang off the pace a little bit more here. Uh, Gets Jose Ortiz up, has had Frank Arietta who, don't get me wrong, excellent jock at, at Oaklawn this uh, previous meet, but I really liked Begine to maybe kind of sit off the pace, rate just a little bit more, kind of like he tried to do before getting sucked in, and at 12 to one absolutely love it uh plus i love the long workout six furlongs uh before as like a long leg stretcher especially coming off of the 29th of april where uh the horse put up a bullet i love that pattern of bullet and then just like a chill relax you know i always feel like sometimes these, these horses that blow it out last last work just kind of leave it behind yep
1: no i i like that, that begin pick a lot i mean i i the only reason I think I shied away from it is just because I'm a little worried about the pace. I do agree that typically on big days, speed does carry a little bit more. Um, but I, I, I agree. I mean, this that horse seems completely misvalued for this field. I mean, I, 12 to 1, I don't think you're going to get 12 to 1 by post time. Uh, but, you know, that's a really good value on a horse that, I, like you said, is just improving every time. Um, I So the two horses that I'm looking at are kind of going to sit right behind that pace. It's distinctly possible in Interstate Daydream. And one of the things I tend to do on big days is I tend to look at where the biggest connections are. And I look at where Chad Brown is sending horses and I look at where Brad Cox is sending horses. And it's hard to go wrong when, you know, betting on those two guys. Uh, And, you know, they both have incredible hit rates uh, across a variety of different divisions at a variety of different tracks. So uh, obviously you have uh, Chad Brown is the trainer for uh, Distinctly Possible, who had a really long layoff and came back you know, six month layoff comes back and wins, breaks his maiden. Interestingly enough, this was a horse that actually had run second to gerrymander, a very good horse uh, in its uh, debut at Saratoga comes back, runs a grade one Darcy Alcibades and runs second to Juju map still hadn't broken his maiden. So goes to Keeneland in April breaks his maiden uh, over Miss Yearwood. Who's also another runner in this race who actually is kind of intriguing, uh, I think, because she really can handle the distance, but Uh, I I think distinctly possible, you know, with uh, Irad Ortiz Jr. board, definitely a horse is going to be sitting just off that pace, probably third or fourth. Uh, I kind of like that positioning. Chad Brown's going to get these horses ready. And then as for Interstate Daydream, I think, you know, you look last time out, it was at the Ashland, kind of finished third by a nose to cocktail moments. Both of them were well behind Nest you know, if nest was in this field, nest would be what the three to five morning line favorite. I mean, easily. One, yeah. One easily. To five? I mean, yeah. I mean, so nest would be in just in a whole other class. Uh, and so, you know, getting blown out by a horse of that caliber, I don't necessarily deduct a lot of points. So I think both of them are going to be well positioned to be able to make a run. I don't think they're going to be so far back that they can't launch a bid and, and track down some of the early speed. So that's kind of where I'm thinking with my two, uh, picks that I like.
0: Now, there are two uh, that I I have as longer shots because you did mention this could be a pretty hot pace. So I have a couple backups here for if we're watching this this day and it looks like it's a lot more fair. It looks like closers have a chance. And there are two horses that I feel like at massive prices. This race could maybe fall to that are deceptively good. One being uh, the local horse uh, for Graham Motion, Candy Light at 20 to one. Uh, I love Charlie Marquez. I I love this kid. I believe he's only like 17, 18 years old. Yeah,
1: he just turned 18.
0: 18, so he doesn't have to finish his uh, homework before he rides the weekend cards (laughs) anymore, I don't uh, think. He's either graduated by now or a year out of school. But uh, on Thoroughgraph, this horse actually fits really well. Uh, It's a candy ride baby uh, out of a Pioneer of the Nile Dam. This could be a horse that really loves the extra distance of going a mile and an eighth. And, I mean, it has the ability to to kind of run from off the pace and from a little bit further back. Uh, so Candy Light was one that I could see kind of sitting in that second to third pace wave, probably the third. And then also the 13, Morning yep. Uh Robert Reed, I'm glad I didn't catch this horse in the gazelle because I will just throw money blindly at park shippers into Aqueduct um, because it's, it's done well for me. Uh, yeah, but, yeah you know, uh, morning matcha is, is a deeper closer. Uh, it has some stakes, rate, uh, wins under its belt. Uh, one of them being at parks where the horse absolutely smashed after being four links off at the first call cuts it to a half length at the second call. And then just slingshot engaged wins it by six and three quarters going away, uh, has also had some success in, uh, you know, New York bred stakes races, which looking at the caliber of this field, I mean, I can't, necessarily say that it's that much better than a new york great you know new york bread steaks race so morning match is another one those are two that are going to come you know in, into play with a, a bet that uh that we're going to take a look at uh later it's our, our special value bet at the yeah. end
1: yeah so- no I, I i like morning matcha quite a bit i i really do i i certainly like that horse to potentially get up to get a piece i i think uh, uh that's a at 20 to 1 that's a really nice play uh and i would be uh i i would be doing a disservice if i didn't mention my favorite philly uh running right now which is luna bell uh i'm a huge fan of this horse the second favorite nine to two this is the other local horse uh who's run against candy light before and uh you know this is a horse that I am so conflicted. Cause I love this horse. She's won five consecutive stakes races. I think the story of her jockey is really great. It's a guy who, uh, Dennis arujo who came over from Charlestown actually, and was like struggling to get mounts at Laurel and just happened to end up on this horse. And he and the horse just seemed to be this perfect combination of things. And they've reeled off five consecutive stakes wins. Uh, And if you look at the overall speed figures, she's right there. She's comparable. The problem with Luna Bella, she doesn't have particularly outstanding early or late speed. Uh, And she's just kind of a consistent horse who has kind of a high end top speed. And uh, I I don't know if the race will necessarily play out perfectly for her, but I will be there rooting for her uh, just because I want to see one of those Maryland breads do well. So uh, I just want to give her a little shout out by mentioning that.
0: Uh, and it's a, it's an intriguing horse. It's one that I actually had, you know, kind of marked up to, to take a look at. And a lot of it is actually more due to the thoroughgraph graph uh, performance here. Uh, if you look at the thoroughgraph figures, I mean, it's close to tops in this field. And if you look at uh, Hamilton Smith's actual pattern uh, with thorough his horses who have this sort of pattern going in of pairing their top performance have a th- usually, put up a new top about 30 percent of the time so yep. looking at roughly a one in three ish chance that this horse could actually come out and freak and, and have a, a good performance so actually yeah. i like that that pick quite a bit um
1: but she's gonna get hammered on local money i think so you're not gonna get a lot not gonna get a lot of value there i don't think
0: absolutely i would 100 agree um <laughs> Speaking on a horse that has, you know, speaking about a horse that has been hammered with local money, particularly mine when it was racing at, at, at uh, Oakland, we're going to move on to uh, the uh, Preakness card where it's my my turn to pick out a race so let my guests go first. Absolutely. And uh, I picked out the Chick Lang Stakes. It's a uh, grade three sprint, six furlongs for uh, for three-year-olds. And there is an Archiebred here who has captivated my heart. Uh, <laughs> and I'm talking about the uh Wheeland Springs the uh I believe the number five uh or sorry number eight no number seven I'm gonna get this right eventually number <laughs> seven not only was this an oakland horse this has my absolute favorite favorite connections when it comes to Archiebreds or even just some other horses that were not bred in Arkansas that they they have like a uh, Plainsman uh it's uh shortly stables Wheland Springs Johnny Ortiz has this horse just absolutely dialed in uh it was running in Arkansas Bred uh, you know, competition until it broke its maiden. Then they put it in an Arkansas stakes race, Arkansas bread stakes race for a sprint. And it absolutely blows away the field. Then they re-enter it into the bachelor into open company into, I mean, what is a pretty good field. If you look, you've got Cogburn, the number one, who's going to take a ton of money for Asmussen, uh, with Rosario up beats, uh, beats Cogburn in this, this race. Uh, I feel like this is an Arky bred star that, you know, is, is getting ready to kind of make its name across the country. Uh, be interested to see what you think of this race though.
1: I, it's funny. Cause we shared uh, kind of some notes before we started recording this and I had to chuckle cause I already looked at these and I had my own notes and kind of a separate document and we both landed on the same horse. Uh, I love Wheeland Springs and I think this race just sets up perfectly because there's going to be we talk about pace there's going to be pace in this race let me tell you something uh because cogburn because he's breaking from that inside post position is going to have to fire uh i mean that horse that's what that horse does but is really going to have to be aggressive out of the gate old homestead's going to go out little vick's going to go out you're, you're going to have a bunch of horses going out and pushing a very aggressive pace i love for uh, uh wheeling to just to sit back and you know sit behind that let those horses run themselves out. Launch a bid late, um, I, and you know whether whether he's right there or whether you know very close or whether he's a little further back. I think he's got some versatility, which I like to see from any horse. And so I, that was absolutely my top pick in this race as well, because I just think the early speed's going to wear itself out. And I was looking for kind of the highest quality closer, and I think that's what you see. And and that's exactly what happened last time. Out of Cogburn, just sat behind Cogburn and then kind of nailed him at the wire. So uh, yeah, Wheel and Springs was my pick as well up top so i think we're we're in agreement here so we should be running to the the betting uh, counters to get four to one odds
0: we know what's so exciting is i actually i do think that we will definitely get a a more than fair price with wheeling springs uh because i do have to think that cogburn is going to take just an absolute ton of of money heading into this race um and i think people i mean I hate to say it, but people look down on Arkansas apparently and Arky breads. But uh, this one, this one might have the chops. Listen, if you're out there and if you want to make millions of dollars, start a decent breeding operation in Arkansas and race your horses in Arkansas, you know, Arky bread races and win all of them. And their purses are so healthy. It's a foolproof plan. I can get you in on the ground floor. Uh, right. So well, it sounds like we're either singling or keying and Springs. Uh, mm-hmm. And I love that. I love it when you can kiss a horse that you know that isn't going to be the chalk. Uh, I'm going to talk briefly about the J.W. Murphy Stakes because we've talked about a lot about local money, and Mm -hmm. uh, I've found the greatest Preakness weekend. uh, I call them takeout reducers—horses that aren't going to win but are going to take a large percentage uh, in this race with the most ultimate Maryland name. I mean, (laughs) yeah, number nine, crabs and beer. If you can find a price in the JW Murphy steaks, it's going to get better. Thanks to crabs and beer. Everything is better with crabs and beer. By the way, if there's a crabs and beer, you know, company out there, I am for sale. Uh, You can hear my (laughs) enthusiasm. I mean, what this horse goes off nine to five. Probably not. But how much money does this horse take way too much?
1: A horse will take a ton of money for the name alone because you have a lot of, you know, just silly money getting thrown around on, you know, Preakness day. And so that's going to get bet down. And then also, You know, you look, Jamie Ness horse, that, you know, trained horse, Jamie Ness. Again, we talk about local trainers. I think those of us who follow horse racing a lot, we know the name Jamie Ness. A lot of people might not, but I mean, he's dynamite on the, you know, mid Atlantic parks, Pimlico Laurel. I mean, that's where he's going to do his most of his winning. So I think the connections, and I think the fact that if you look at this horse, you can easily go, if you're just looking at the past performances, you go, oh, wow. Look at that perk up on turf last time. Right. Uh, you know with the speed figure so i think there's ways you can talk yourself into crabs and beer as this great value at 12 to 1 and it's just going to get bet down <laughs> absolutely yeah. so we're yeah. going to
0: take a a quick break uh once again big ups to crabs and beer looking forward to what you can do for us but uh yeah we're going to come back and when we get back we are going to take a look at uh, a pick three that we're going to put together for uh the uh Sequence that ends with the Preakness. So the Sir, the Sir Barton, the Jim McKay turf sprint, and the Preakness. We'll be right back with that on the Notorious OTB. We're brought to you by Athletic Greens and their AG One supplement. So what is this stuff? With one delicious scoop of AG One, you're absorbing seventy-five high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole-food source superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, and aging, all of the things. It costs you less than $3 a day. You're investing in your health, and it's cheaper than your cold brew habit. AG1 supports better sleep quality and recovery, and Athletic Greens has over 7,000 five-star reviews. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash SGP. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash SGP to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Welcome back to the notorious OTB. It's getting late in the card. Old Jim. He's our friend, old James. He's already lost his shirt. He's gone home. (laughs) Uh, so feel free to use his mostly full ashtray. Uh, here, here we go. The meat of, of the weekend, the, the big races, we're looking at the pre th- uh, the pick three. Well, I'll call it the preak three uh, that ends uh, with the preakness, uh, the Sir Barton, the Jim McKay and the preakness. Uh, I am going to say this when it comes to strategy, when you're playing these pick threes, you have the, and you know, you have the advantage of looking in the first race and looking at the daily double probables. That's going to give you a good idea of either how heavily you should be invested because say your horses are just hammered in the doubles makes you think that's probably going to be a chalkier pick three. Maybe you need to go skinny and just kind of lean into that opinion. Or if you're not looking at the favorites, you see that you've got big prices all around. It'll let you kind of know do I need to play this a little heavier? Do I need to play this a little bit thinner? Can I toss the favorite here and maybe you know up this uh this bet a little bit because I'm I'm not using the favorite defensively? Some things to think about, but always use those probables exact as in the doubles, and also always look at the pools. Always yeah. look at the pools, uh, especially the place pool. Especially the place pool. I preach this. I'm going to do a whole statistical study behind this someday. But let's go ahead and kick it off. Let's look at the Sir Barton Stakes. It's a uh, $100,000 purse, uh, uh, sorry, stakes race. Eight and a half furlongs, four
1: three-year-olds. I, this could be a pretty tough race. I, I'd like to hear what you think. Yeah, I think you can go a lot of ways in this race. And, and I think this is... Uh, I you know, I think reasonable people can have like completely different choices here uh, depending on what they're looking at. I think, you know, you look at you, the, the horse that's going to attract a lot of attention is ethereal road, the Dwayne Lucas horse, because he was on the Derby trail because he was the horse that scratched from the Kentucky Derby that let rich strike in Uh, you know, so you, you have to figure even your, you know, very casual horse racing fan probably knows the name of that horse. And quite frankly, on Derby day that or on Preakness day, that's kind of all that matters when people start betting sometimes. Uh, and certainly has a lot of class, but ethereal road is not a horse that overwhelms you at all. And so I, I just, I, I I can't really get excited about picking that horse up top in this particular, uh, race. So, you know, I kind of tried to look past that. I think this is another race that's going to have a strong pace. You have two sprinters in and B-Doc and Unikey that are both going to be setting an early pace. I think I'm intrigued by Uniki potentially being able to kind of hold that speed throughout and maybe stretch out. Um, but the long shot that I'm intrigued by is Brooklyn Diamonds uh, going off a 10 to 1. Uh, this is a horse that stretched out on the mud last time, ran well, also has really good late speed. And so that's another thing with this potential pace scenario of having sprinters in a route race. You know, we talk about speed holding up, but when you have sprinters in a route race, that speed might not hold up. And so, I'm looking for those horses that are going to be coming from off the pace. So, uh, I, I, that's definitely a horse I would include in my pick three ticket.
0: You know, I I might do you a favor and and help you get this horse home. I have never actually seen a uh, Rebrisset horse win a race <laughs> like as live as it's happening. I've never seen a Ruby percent horse win. I know that he wins races. I've seen yes. the numbers and
1: the percentages. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so I will I'll tune it out so you get your uh get your long shot with uh with All right. Diamonds. <laughs> um I damn I'm on another Oakland horse. Um <laughs> give me the now tragically named Rugs uh in mm. this one uh for, for Ron Moquette uh sorry moquette uh you know you might know as the trainer of uh of, uh, uh, Whitmore, uh, this horse, man, I think that the race in the Smarty Jones back on New Year's day took a whole lot out of this horse because it was a duel in the slop. They went fairly quick, uh, for the, uh, for, uh, the Oakland mile 23 seconds flat to the quarter, which, uh, that's, that's a race that, you're pretty quick into the turn so you can maybe shave like a a fifth off of that and say it was worth about maybe like a you know 22 four fifths sort of sort of time um i like rugs to kind of just stock this early early pace uh another one that really fits on on thorough graphs and i mean uh, going back to last year mcquette has a a history of just kind of taking these horses that are kind of ho-hum at oakland and moving them forward on preakness weekend i'm thinking particularly of fire crow uh Mm -hmm. last year uh a horse that never really ran on turf put it on turf and just ran a hole in the wind. Uh so I I do like rugs. Um looks like he's maybe learning to raid a little bit, which is good. Uh I probably in this pick three, I'm also going to use uh, a Ethereal Road. I do like a long shot to use with the two golden eyes. Uh because that's a horse that should be kind of you know out towards the front, but also could sit that pocket trip saving ground on the rail. Uh and then the uh the eight which you mentioned uh Unike.
1: Yeah, I'm definitely using Ethereal Road as well, and I uh, so I I'm, I'm using the one and the eight in addition to the nine uh, in this one. So uh, I think Ethereal Road's one of those where I, am I using it defensively? Maybe a little bit, uh, but I just I I don't want to get beat by Dwayne Lucas in this one. <laughs> so
0: with that, uh, I mean it, yeah. it, normally, I mean I'd say if you'd said that like two years ago, I'd be like, uh, eh, it's okay. I'll let him. I'll right. let him beat me, but he's he's really kind of hit a groove as of late. So, uh, it yeah. seems like everything he's trained is doing pretty well. Yeah. Um, all right. Leg two, the middle leg in this, in this here sandwich, we've got the Jim McKay turf sprint. Uh, it's a hundred thousand dollars stakes race, five furlongs on the turf, uh, for three-year-olds and up. I, my, I went directly to one horse here, though. I probably will end up using many and just a way too big pick three. Uh, <laughs> and it's, it's gonna be a uh, grateful bread one awesome name Yep. uh two has horse has a history of running strong second off the layoff like mm-hmm. I feel like that's something that people miss sometimes is they put too much stock into what a trainer does off the layoff mm-hmm. say maybe second off the layoff the trainer doesn't have necessarily a high percentage but it takes two to tango it's the horse who's actually out there running the race if you find a horse that has that sort of conflict you know conflicting stat that's one that I, I like to take a shot in because it fits the horses pattern, not necessarily the trainers, but, uh, I, I thought that this horse is going to kind of stock this early pace. Uh, I mean, it's a five furlong long sprint, so odds are, it's going to be moving pretty quick. Uh, so I, I really did like grateful bread, but I, I also going to be using another horse that will come from off the pace, uh, with the one with bank, because if I let myself get beat by Rosario on a closer, I'm not going to be a happy person. Uh, the other one is another, uh, another, uh, Oak Lawn horse. That's, uh, that's being moved out and actually uh, going back to the turf uh, for John Ortiz, which is Hollis. Uh, I think I might be playing this a lot for Ray Lou Gutierrez who uh, I mentioned Charlie Marquez. Uh, Ray Lue's a little bit, a uh, little bit further in his career and uh, I'm a big fan of, uh, of him and seeing where he's going to go. And the other one I'm going to mention is Katori. And I'm going to put this with an asterisk, which is when I'm looking at my doubles, uh, double probables starting in the Sir Barton, if it's hammered to Katori, if I like this many other horses, then instead of using a defensive line, I probably trim the list to three with Grateful uh, Bread, Bank, and Hollis.
1: So I think Hollis is the biggest question mark, I think, in this race. I mean, because I don't know, you know, going back to the turf, we'll see. Uh, And this horse has been turning in. I mean, you talk about in every other race type of horse. I mean, now some of that coincides with stepping up a little bit in class at times and then dropping back down. But I mean, just... Yeah, it just it just is really you said it the other day like an A B A B type of horse. I mean, just kind of up and down, up and down. So I don't know what version of Hollis we're gonna get on Saturday. Right. If I knew that, I'd, I might single Hollis. Um, but yeah, I this is a I think a really intriguing field. I I, I like uh, Grateful Bread and I also like Smoke and Jay. Uh, and I have to give a shout out to whoever did the notes for uh, Daily Racing Form. Uh, for Grateful Dead, uh, for Grateful Bread, because they mentioned that he may have a touch of gray now that he uh, is a little bit older. And so Bo! I thought, uh, I thought oh, that's good. That was good. It, it was good. I like it. It. It's good. good. Hey, you got to, you know, you, you got to work with what you got. So uh, that's right. I, I thought it was cute. And I was like, oh, OK, that's cute. At least uh, he
0: came with the Grateful Dead song that everyone can name. You know, he right. didn't throw out some some just obscure <laughs> sort of reference. Like, okay, okay, buddy, we get it. You followed the dead in a van.
1: <laughs> exactly. But listen, I, I so Grateful Bread, you know, I think you laid out the case for this horse, extremely consistent. I mean, some of the most consistent speed figures I've ever seen on a horse. Uh, and I, I really appreciate your comment about second off the layoff for the horse. I can't tell you the number of times I've seen horses. There was a horse. I, I was trying to think of the horse's name and I'm blanking. There's a horse down in Tampa uh, that ran up several months ago. Horse just runs every six months, kind of like flight line in some ways, but like sure. just runs every six months, but fires every time out. And, and but the trainer has terrible statistics off a long layoff. Uh, and it's like, this was the only horse he has that just fires every time. So, you know, at some point you just go, yeah, but what's the horse doing off this long layoff? So uh, I like that angle quite a bit. Um, I, so I like Smoke and Jay a little bit. This is a horse that dabbles in the turf, goes back and forth a little bit, uh, ran pretty big behind Caratari. Grateful bread uh, and Smoke and Jay. Nice. Ex- exactly. Nice. It's a very nice, it's a very nice. Uh, I'm sure that double is going to get bet. Oh. <laughs> that exact oh, yeah. is going to get uh, bet a lot. So uh, I just think that's a horse that, you know, does have some pretty uh, solid uh, performances on the turf and has shown the ability to perform well at this level. So uh, I definitely like uh, including Smoke and Jay there. Uh, and like I said, I'm just kind of up in the air on Hollis. I just don't know what to do with this horse. Maybe I end up including him. Maybe I don't, I'm just not sure. And then like you, I just think Karatari is a horse that I'm not completely sold on, but I, if I just go with grateful bread and smoke and Jay, then I probably include Karatari Uh, and, and just use the the third horse, even though I probably am using it defensively. Just, I can afford to do that. And it's not that big of a deal.
0: Are you, is Karatari good enough to make you consider playing a second pick three ticket? That's maybe kind of, uh, you know, leveraged up a little bit where you're singling a horse like, uh, Karatari along with a, maybe a shorter price that you like in the, uh, in the, uh, Sir Barton ahead of time.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. That's, that's interesting to bring that up because I do like to do that, especially with pick threes where I'll play around with like two or three of them. And some of them are like just super skinny and then others are, yeah I'll I'll kind of play around with a single and then go pretty deep on a different one and yeah try to play different sequences
0: That's right thin is in when it comes to these tickets <laughs> they take.
1: thin is in That's
0: right so we're going to move on to the preakness ah man I the I think the preakness is going to be a little less exciting uh than the uh than the Kentucky Derby I to be honest I, I mean everything tells me epicenter is going to win this race However, from a betting standpoint, I'm going to switch it up and go with early voting. Uh, Mm -hmm. A lot of this actually has to do with the time for the time for uh, U.S. uh, pace projector. They nailed the Kentucky Derby pace. Now, granted, they just said fast pace. They didn't say Chernobyl (laughs) nuclear, but the way that the way everyone was positioned, it was pretty well dead on. And I'm thinking that could still be the case. And if that is the case, based on what I'm seeing from the projection of the Preakness, early voting could be absolutely loose on the lead, having this race his own way. If you look to the inside of, uh, of early voting uh, the, the horse that you have to kind of uh, consider as a horse, that's probably going to send because, you know uh, that's what it's done. You know what it did to, uh, to break its maiden, which is a Finwick. Well, it looks like if you beat Finwick to the first call, then Finwick is going to quit. Uh, and I don't think that Finwick will break fast enough to get ahead of early voting who has, I've seen at times a lightning break. Uh, and then, I mean, Armagnac, and I I still think that he's, he's faster than Armagnac and Armagnac also has a little bit of quit to him where what happens if yes. Armagnac doesn't make it at first call? Well, he might fall back if, irad ortiz does the irad thing that which i dislike which is kind of take a horse that should be speed and rate it back about you know two lengths mm-hmm. then i think it's it's probably game over for for arm so i'm making early voting my pick here uh however when it comes to pick three play i'm going to be using early voting and epicenter uh because for one I, i'm either going to have two tickets where it's scaled up for these shorter prices that ends in early voting and epicenter or I've caught the bigger prices that I'm trying to catch in the previous two races. And I don't want to get beat because I go in on all in on early voting when epicenter looks like such a logical winner. So yeah. that's, that's kind of how I structure it. And if I'm going to put together a, uh, a, a trifecta here, I'm probably going to go with a uh, uh, secret oath and early voting. Cause it could get fast. It could possibly get fast enough to fall apart for secret oath. Plus she just kind of doesn't matter, you know, what the pace looks like seems to be able to close from anywhere. So secret oath and early voting over secret oath, early voting and epicenter. And then in third, we are uh, going to go ahead and sprinkle in simplification, creative minister along with uh, those three and also uh, Skippy long stockings, but Preakness, what's your take?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of the same things that you said, I, I, I'm not, you know, big fan of uh, Fenwick. I think I saw somebody say, I mean, you could just draw a line through the uh, bluegrass. I was like, no, you can't draw a line through the bluegrass. (laughs) Like you can, but that's not like, it's not like, oh, it's just the bluegrass. That's the problem. Uh, You know, this horse just does not have the speed uh, to contend with early voting early. And Armagnac, I really, I mean, to your point, that's a horse that needs the lead. Also a horse. If you look only two victories have come with Lasix. Uh, So, Now we're not having Lasix in this one. I just, I don't love Armagnac. Also shipping in, I I brought it up early in the pod. I I, I kind of question what these former Baffert horses are doing. Um, And it's not to say that Tim Yakteen's doing a bad job. It's just horses change barns, things change. You're going from, you know, somebody who gets horses ready better than maybe anybody else to, uh, you know, to his former assistant. And so it just changes. Um, And so I, I did go logical here. I went with Epicenter. Uh, I just think uh, my biggest concern with early voting is something that Chad Brown kind of hinted at, which is sometimes maybe early voting gets a little lost in the lead. And I worry a little bit about the extra distance. You know, he got nabbed at the wood by MoDonegal late. And I just think Epicenter in this particular race, I mean, in the Derby Epicenter was sitting almost mid pack. Uh, and, and this time around, or in the upper, you know, kind of like the back end of the th- upper third this time around, Epicenter is going to be sitting, I would imagine, second or third. I mean, Probably he'll be right close. there, yeah, he'll yeah. be very close. So, he does, yeah, you know, that you know, Ep- early voting does not need to fatigue much for Epicenter to capitalize. Uh, and I just feel like this race sets up so nicely for Epicenter. And I don't think, uh, and and Caleb, uh, from On the Wrong Lead, I was talking to him the other day, and you know, Caleb was saying. He doesn't even think epicenter needs to run his best race to win this uh, the Preakness, and I would probably agree with that. I think a sub one hundred buyers uh, effort is probably going to win this race. So uh, I, I really like epicenter uh, I, on some tickets. I'm just going to be singling him and uh, and and going with that. Uh, I do one of my favorite horses this entire Derby Trail has been simplification. It's just a horse that has turns in a professional effort every single time out uh, and has shown incredible versatility. Breaking from the inside is is maybe not ideal, but interestingly enough, three of the last six winners have broken from the inside. Last year's winner, Rombauer, War of Will, three years ago, and then uh, American Pharaoh back in 2015. So, breaking from the inside at the Preakness is not the sort of death knell that it is uh, at the Kentucky Derby. And and Johnny Velasquez, who's going to be on board, is going to be aggressive out of the gate. And you know, I, I think that's a horse that I'm really intrigued by. So I'm going to look at. uh, Epicenter up top. I'm going to go simplification. I think it's going to be really close for between three or four horses right down the stretch. Uh, but I'm going to go epicenter up top simplification second. And then you brought up a long shot. I really like Skippy long stocking. I think this is a horse that was sired by former Preakness champion exaggerator, uh, finished third at the wood really, you know, was making up ground late in that race. Uh, probably two best performances to date have been when it's gotten stretched out to a mile and an eighth. Uh, so it should like the uh, extra distance, a 20 to one, you're getting a, a really nice price and that price might even float up a little higher. So uh, I, I think a, a good horse to include in exotics.
0: Yep. And we will find out if, uh, if uh, Safi's uh, game travels to, to
1: Maryland uh, cause it seems to not travel <laughs> to Kentucky, but, but, I, but he I, does, he does do well in the mid Atlantic. I mean, it, it that, yeah that area he's not bad in. Cause I've, I ahead of the Derby, I was doing a lot of digging into sappy outside of Florida, uh, which is kind of a recurring joke for a reason, but I mean, he does win at like a 25, 28% clip in New York, New Jersey, Pennsylvania. So like, I, you know, we'll see how he does in Maryland, but uh, yeah.
0: We got to think that uh, Skippy Longstocking, the exaggerator baby, maybe praying for a rogue rainstorm to come in and get wet this track down to get the wind, yeah. just like pops did. Yeah uh so that that's our look at the Preakness but guess what folks I've got a bonus for you when we come back from this quick break we are going to talk about the Black Eyed Susan Preakness double so it looks like there's so much value in this looking forward to talking about it we'll be right back in just one minute on the Notorious OTB, brought to you by the Sports Gambling Podcast Network Welcome back. And this is it. This is the the conclusion. This is where we weave together our thesis. We've gone all the way through the black eyed Susan day into the Preakness day. Now that we're going to, we're going to mush them together with the black eyed Susan and Preakness double. Uh, I, I love this play. It, it could be like with, uh, you know, the Derby uh, a couple of weeks ago where that was just a excellent betting opportunity because there were it looked like there were prices somewhere. And I personally think there are prices to be had in, in the uh, Black Eyed Susan and Preakness double. So I'm going to go ahead and rattle off how I'm going to play that. Uh, in the Black Eyed Susan, I'll be using the number five, Beguine, who's 12 to one on the uh, morning line. I'll be using the eight, Candy Light, 20 to one the 13 morning matcha 20 to one. And then uh, in the, uh, the Preakness end, I'm going to be using uh, my top pick, the five early voting. And then who I declared that your most logical winner, uh, the eight epicenter, who's uh, the morning line favorite at six to five, but it doesn't matter. Even if it's six to five, if I can connect on Beguine on candy light on morning matcha, right. I, I still probably have a pretty good day. What do you have for us? Good, sir.
1: Yeah, I'm going to go with uh, three completely different horses in the Black Eyed Susan, which speaks, I think, to just how deep that field is and just how wide open that field is. Uh, And you're right. There's a lot of value there to be had. So I'm going to go with distinctly possible and interstate daydream, both at uh, six to one. And then I'm also going to include the number eight favor this is a horse that finished just off behind echo zulu and hidden connection at the fairground oaks that i like quite a bit we didn't get a chance to talk about her uh earlier but she's going off at eight to one i feel like that's uh, going to be a horse that might get bet down a little bit but nice uh, value on the morning line and then the prickness i'm going to stay pretty simple i'm going to go with my top choice epicenter and my second choice simplification at six to one
0: very nice. I, I like it. I you could even you could even mush our Black Eyed Susan uh Preakness doubles together and be a wide six by three, but you'd still have such big prices in the yeah. in the uh, black eyed Susan range that even if you catch at the center once again, uh yeah. you could probably still hit something big. So we'll just call that our, our hybrid pick. Um I like it. <laughs> yeah. That's that is it for us. That's all the bets we're gonna look look into for Preakness weekend. We wish you all the best of luck, guys. If you don't follow uh, my man here, Matthew Desantis on Twitter, please do. He's at Fail To Menace. And uh, Matthew, you got a few more things coming up before uh, before racing actually kicks off this week. Why don't you let us know what you got going on?
1: Always have stuff going on. So, uh, doing some stuff with Sarah Albadwi from horse racing nation, where we go over the late pick five at the Preakness stakes, uh, also going to be doing some stuff with Gino Piccola uh, on his, that's what G said podcast, uh, talking about some of the races on the undercard of the Preakness day. Uh, and then, uh, also Barry, uh, the sniper spears, myself and Gino, we do our weekly stable duel. uh, live stream on friday and uh those are always a lot of fun we and even if you don't play stable duel it's still a fun live stream to check out because we always try to give out big prices and horses that are five to one or higher that you should be using in the stable duel contest but also using to win using in your bets to add value so it's it's a good live stream to check out even if you don't play the the contest um and then i will just say last night i did a fantasy uh triple And I caught we, some of that actually. Uh, yeah. yeah. And so we, where we kind of put all the horses from the black eyed Susan and the Kentucky Derby together. There were four of us, myself, Gino, Barry, and then Caleb. Uh, and we drafted it was five round snake draft, just like you would in any fantasy sport. Uh, and I managed to draft with my heart and, uh, that was not particularly smart. I drafted Luda bell second overall, uh, because I'm an idiot. And, uh, but I love that horse and I, I, I want a team I can root for chase. And that's really what it all comes down to. So, uh, right. so I went with, uh, yeah, so, but that was a fun thing. So if you go to my it's, Twitter feed, I, I have that video up and honestly, it is a fun way. Cause we went through 20 of the 22 horses and kind of talked about each of them when we selected them. And so if you need a refresher of each of the horses in those fields, it's, it's a fun one to go to.
0: I like that you mentioned that you, you need a horse to root for because it's like drafting your fantasy football team and just getting one player that, that you know you should get and you really don't like, and you just hate yourself for cheering for him. Yeah.
1: All, I listen. The I'm, season. I'm a diehard Philadelphia Eagles fan. I grew up outside of uh, Philadelphia. I refuse to draft Dallas Cowboys uh, on my fantasy team. I just, I don't want that toxicity in my life and I don't need it. And I have a buddy who's a New York Giants fan who for years with the first overall pick he had would draft Eli Manning. Uh, it was baffling, but he just loved Eli Manning and he wanted to root for Eli Manning. So that's what he did. Okay. Uh, yeah. That's a, that's a, that's a strategy. I'll he never won. That. He never won. I mean, yeah, he was I was not to find quite honestly,
0: <laughs> um, man, that's, that's awesome guys. Check out Matthew's stuff. Uh, he is all over doing all sorts of things and he's usually just bringing uh high quality Handicapping knowledge, like insider tips, talking about the weather, what's going on. He's he's just in Northern Virginia. He's in he's in like push a t territory right now. uh So I mean, gotta gotta pay Love attention it. to what this man says. uh Man, thank you so much. Uh, no, a lot thank of thank you so much for having me. I,
1: this was great. I really appreciate it. It's great talking horses with you. I, I we've wanted to do this for a while, and this is a real thrill for me. So thank you. You've uh,
0: you've uh, you've managed to ascend out of friend of the pod to uh, noted uh, notorious OTB contributor. Uh, Matthew DeSantis. There we go. Yes. (laughs) Big round of applause. Now you have to recruit five members and get them to pay the (laughs) introductory fees. All right. That is it for us at the notorious OTB brought to you by the sports gambling podcast network. Good luck this weekend. And just remember prayers for the wire to hurry up and get there are rarely answered.